Brother Chris. And um, um, just want to give you a little family update, but I want to tell a story to the kids. So kids, if you would be willing to come up and sit on the front row here, I want to tell you a little story. Can you do that? Can you come up here to the front? Uh, when we first came here, it's probably about 15, 16 years ago, uh, our kids were much younger when we first went out into mission. Yeah, thanks for coming up here. Thank you. Come on up. Uh, go ahead to the next slide. Our kids were much younger, and uh, we we traveled in a motorhome back then, and uh, so so uh, that was our tribe back then. And uh, yeah, I've got a story just for kids. Yeah, thank you for coming up here. All right. So next slide. Many years ago, there was a single lady missionary that went to Africa, to Liberia, West Africa. Her, her name was Miss Dunkley. And uh, Miss Dunkley would train Sunday school workers and teachers of children's church. And so she would travel to church to church, training Sunday school workers. And many times she could travel in a, in a car or a speed of light vehicle. But, but sometimes sh- there was no road So she had to walk. And this time she was walking to a church with a group of pastors and they had to go through some water. And as they were going through the water, all of a sudden something (coughs) bit her leg. She didn't know what it was. Do you guys have any idea what might have bit her leg in that water? Maybe a fish. What else do you think it might have been? Yeah? A crocodile or a piranha. Wow. What do you girls think it might have been that bit her leg in that water? What did you think? A crocodile? Yeah. We don't know, even today, we don't know what bit her leg because she never saw it, but it hurt so badly. And so she said, oh, maybe if I keep walking, it'll feel better. Have you ever tried to do that? If I just walk it out, it'll feel better. So she walked some more. But yeah. You do that on your neck and it feels better. So she was walking it out and she kept going. And and pretty soon she said, I can't walk any farther. It's getting so bad. So she said, can you find a hut for me to lie down and rest? Do you know what a hut is? Yeah, it's it's like a house, but it's made out of sticks and mud and grass. And so the pastors went ahead and they found a hut and they asked the people there, "Can, can this white missionary lady can she come and lie down in the hut because she's hurt something bit her in the water and so they said yeah you can come and lie down so she came and she 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 lay down in that hut and that was on a Monday and she thought well tomorrow I'll feel better and I can walk well the next day Tuesday she wasn't better she was worse her leg was getting big and red and swollen and hard and so she kept lying there Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday And on Friday night, she knew she was going to die. If God didn't heal her that night, she was going to die. And so she prayed before she went to sleep, Dear Jesus, please have somebody pray for me because I'm too weak even to pray for myself. And she went to sleep. Now I have a hard question for you kids. If it's nighttime in Africa, what time is it in America? Daytime. That's right, it was morning, and a little girl who was only five years old woke up. She went running to her mother. Is there anybody five here today? Are you five? 
Can you come up here and help me for a minute? I need everybody to see how old, how, how big a five-year-old is. So there was a, now this is a boy, but there was a little girl, five years old. She came running to her mom and she said, Mommy, Mommy, please pray for Miss Dunkley. Please pray for Miss Dunkley. You see what had happened is I think God was speaking to that little girl, saying, pray for Miss Dunkley. So the, the mom and the little girl, they knelt down to pray for Miss Dunkley. And then the little girl ran off to play. A few minutes later, she came back. Mommy, mommy, we have to pray for Miss Dunkley again. Pray for Miss Dunkley again. And so they prayed again. You see, when Miss Dunkley had come to her church, when she was only three years old, Miss Dunkley had given her a prayer card and said, would you, would you pray for me? And every night when she'd go to bed, she'd pray for Miss Dunkley. But this day, there was a burden on her heart to pray, pray, pray. So she prayed all day long. That night when she was going to bed, they prayed one more time for Miss Dunkley. And the little girl went to sleep. But the mom sat down and wrote a letter. Dear Miss Dunkley, were you in any danger on this day? Was anything happening on this day? Because my little girl, who's only five years old, prayed for you all day long. And she sent the letter to Africa. Okay, kids, now, if it's nighttime in America, what time is it in Africa? Morning. And so the little, so the mom, the, the Miss Dunkley, she woke up and she thought, am I in heaven or in this hut in Africa? And she felt her leg and there was no pain, there was no swelling, and she thought, I must be in heaven. And she opened her eyes, but guess where she was? She was still in that hut in Africa. But God had healed her. You see, a little girl had prayed. And you know what, kids? You guys can pray, and God hears you too. So Miss Dunkley got out of, out of bed, and she told me later she walked 13 hours that day to the next church. I don't know if I could walk 13 hours today, and I haven't been sick in bed for five days, but she walked for 13 hours. She got to the next church. She didn't know who had prayed, but she knew God had touched her. About a month later, she got a letter from America. She opened it up. Dear Miss Dunkley, were you in any danger on this day? And she checked her calendar. That was the very day. In fact, the very hours she was dying. And God used the prayers of a five-year-old girl to raise her up out of her deathbed. Miss Dunkley went on to serve God for 31 years in Liberia, Africa. And that little girl who prayed when she was five, when she was only three, is there anybody here that's three? Who's three? Nobody? That little girl, when she was three, and she got the prayer card from the missionary, she told her mom, when I grow up, I'm going to be a missionary. And her mom made this little dress for her. Do you want to see what she looked like when she was three? Let's go to the next slide. That's what she looked like when she was three. The little girl there. And she prayed for missionaries. She said, I'm going to be a missionary to Africa when I grow up. And you know what? She is today. Can you go to the next slide? That one who prayed when she was three to be a missionary, she's now my wife. And she's a missionary to Africa. And I want to say something to you kids. I want you to be sure to get a prayer card. Did I give you one already? If not, you can come get one, okay? Do you want a card? Yeah? And I want to ask if you will pray for us. Do you want a card? 
Did you get one already? Okay. Did you get a card yet? Okay. Did you guys get a card? You already got one. Okay. And all of the rest of you, there's cards on the back table. And I just want to say thank you for praying for us. And uh, we're going to continue to, to uh, serve God in missions. We met Miss Dunkley. She came to our wedding. And uh, go to the next slide. And uh, she, she has been such an encouragement to my wife and us over the years. She's now passed away. But God used her in a great way in my wife's life. Well, uh, just want to, Brent and Amy have been such good friends of ours and part of our family. Next slide. And we'll just go through these quickly. And the next slide, they were in our home there in Springfield with some of their family and our family. Um, maybe a few of you know Judy and Vladimir Rubin. Next slide. And uh, uh, Judy is my wife's sister. She's also a missionary to Ukraine. She passed away. Uh, about a year and a half ago now. Go ahead to the next slide. And uh, God, has been, God has been with us. Her husband, Vladimir, continues to serve in missions. And uh, he's doing a, a video YouTube show channel every week now. And he gets 2,000, 3,000, 10,000 people watching his, his show in Ukrainian. And he's really ministering to the people there during this time of war. Next slide. Brent mentioned we've been pastors. We were pastors for 16 years in North Dakota and Alaska. And then uh, we went to Kenya and we served for 16 years. I was president of East Africa School of Theology for eight years. We had the opportunity to plant many churches. We planted 22 churches while we were in Kenya. And um, I always wanted to write, but I was pretty busy, wasn't able to write because of the activity there going on. We came back. We were in the U.S. itinerating to go back to Africa, and in that time, my wife had her first stroke, and that was quite, go ahead to the next slide, that was quite a difficult time for us, because the doctor said, you cannot live in Africa anymore, you can't go back and live there, and we had always wanted to be missionaries, we had desired that so much, but God opened a new door, and I think the door that he wanted us to see, because he said, I'm not just going to have you go to one country and one, one place, but, but now we're serving all of Africa, training Bible school leaders from across Africa, and we get to do conferences, uh, sharing with uh, hundreds of, of pastors, uh, excuse me, Bible school leaders there across Africa. Go ahead to the next slide, and then the next one. And um, teaching uh, master's programs, all over Africa, I teach missions there. I help students to understand. Go ahead. Uh, uh, we, we have times when we say, okay, now let's do a role play. How are you going to win a Muslim to the Lord? And, and God opens that door. I've had the opportunity to write. Uh, these are some of the books that we're working on and finished. Uh, one of them, some of you know Luke Storr, and I was able to write the first book on the left there with Luke and, and uh now that's in three languages being used across Africa. The one on the right is in 11 languages. The one in the middle I'm currently finishing, and that one will be in 16 languages for Bible school students across Africa. Our need is we have uh, a financial need. We're trying to raise $50,000, $30,000 remaining, and uh, $4,000 in monthly pledges. So anything this church can do, you as individuals can do, we would greatly appreciate it. Our kids that left here years ago, they've become a tribe. And so this is our family now, and uh, we thank God for each of them, and, and uh, we're so excited, and, and uh, God is using, using our family in a wonderful way. So uh, I'm just going to break here, turn it back to Pastor, and then I'm going to come back and share from the Word of God in a few minutes. Thank you. All right. 
Amen. Well, hey, we're going to um, take up a love offering for Jeff to help with that. Um, Amy and I personally support Jeff and Janelle on a monthly basis. Uh, we do not as a church, but as, as a church, we take what is given on a Sunday morning, and that's how we support our missionaries. And you'll see them on that wall there, the missionaries we support. So um, whatever God places upon your heart this morning, um, it's going to go towards uh, making a difference. It's going to help make a dent in that 30000 And uh, how much of a dent, I guess, that is what God places on your heart. So uh, you can give uh, this way, uh, vote and give it up here, or you can give online as well. Just put a note in there that it's missions, all right? All right. Any questions? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, um, we thank you for... Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to give, but also we thank you that we can uh, further your kingdom. And we thank you for what Jeff is doing and Janelle, uh, furthering your kingdom, not only here, but all around the world, Lord. And so, Lord God, we uh, just let us be obedient to what you are speaking to us today, how we can be part of that. Uh, we give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask it in your name. Everybody said amen. amen. So uh, adults, kids, if you want to come up. And you get to put in whatever one. We're going to see who has the best fans here, all right? In the end, Jesus wins, all right? Yeah, they'll give you a break. Um, so there's some good questions here about the marriage retreat, if the lunch is provided. I'll, I'll find out for you on that. I'll do a little digging. No, they'll give you, there'll definitely be a break. What I don't know is if they'll just turn us loose to go eat at a restaurant or something like that. So um, I will text and find out. I'll, even, I'll maybe have an answer before we're done here. So, all right. Hey, we welcome you back. And I'm going to turn it over uh, to Jeff. He's going to share from the Word of God here. And uh, praise God. Thank you, Pastor. Wow, it's great. And uh, good to see Aaron again. Last time I saw, Aaron, well, one time I saw Aaron, he was in Kenya on a missions trip, and that was so, so awesome to get to see him there, and, and now again here, and amen. So, uh, I'll go where you want me to go, and uh, some of you that are long-time church people, you might remember a song that was like that, and this was my wife and my prayer. When we got married, I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. We, we had a desire to be missionaries, but uh, it took us a while. Um, I want to talk for a little bit about John Mark. And uh, go ahead to the next slide. John Mark was a deserter, according to Paul. Uh, and later he became profitable. Or was he puke? Now, I've never had a sermon that I've talked about puke before, but just stick with me. If it's too, if it's too gross, I'm sorry. But um, let's look at Acts chapter 15. I want to read verses thir- 37 to 40. Acts 15, 37. This is after the first missionary journey, and John Mark had left Paul and Barnabas, and now Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go out on a second missionary journey. And Barnabas Verse 37, wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. 
Heavenly Father, as we share from your word today and from our own testimony, Lord, I pray that you would just minister to our hearts. Lord, I know that there are many people who have been hurt by others, by what church leaders have said or what what individuals have said in the church or or whatever but God you are the one we seek to place I'll go where you want me to go Lord I'll say what you want me to say I'll be what you want me to be dear Lord may that be our prayer in Jesus name amen who was John Mark next slide well he was the son of Mary a wealthy Christian in Jerusalem he was a cousin of Barnabas, and you can look all all of these scriptures. He left Barnabas and Saul. We just read about that. And he was the reason for this missionary team to split up. Later, we find that he was an associate of Peter. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. So next time you read Mark, you can think this is the deserter that wrote this. He was Paul's fellow worker. Later on, about 12 to 15 years later, we see that Paul said, Mark, John Mark, he's my fellow worker, my co-laborer. And Paul calls him profitable. In the last chapter of the last book we have from Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And Peter calls him my son, Mark. So how did John Mark go from being a deserter to being profitable? 2 Timothy 4 11 says, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful or profitable to me in ministry. Have you, now I've thought about this passage a lot. I've thought about John Mark a lot, but can you imagine being young John Mark and here is Paul, at this time an up and coming missionary. Later he's going to be the, you know, probably one of the greatest missionaries of the New Testament era, if not the greatest. And yet this man, Paul, called you, John Mark, a deserter. How would that make you feel? What would, what would be going through your heart at that time? What, what are you thinking about? And in the last few years, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about church hurt. The church hurt me. A pastor hurt me, a leader hurt me, a board member hurt me. You know, somebody in the church said something and it really hurt and I quit going to church. But I see in John Mark somebody that said, you know what, Paul said something about me that was very hurtful. But I think John Mark said, I'm still going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to say what God wants me to say. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to continue to work. My daughter... I love it when you learn from your kids. She said, Dad, this was just like two or three weeks ago. She said, Dad, have you ever thought about what was Jesus' last miracle before he died on the cross? It was when he healed the man's ear in the garden. Remember, Peter cut off his ear. Jesus picked it up and healed it. And you know, Malchus was his name. He could have been very very bitter. Peter, look at what Peter did to me. He hurt me. He cut off my ear. But you see, Jesus still loved Peter. Excuse me. Jesus still loved Malchus. Jesus still wanted to minister to Malchus. Can you imagine if Malchus would have said, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. 
Peter, cut off my ear. It's over. But instead, he let Jesus pick up his ear and heal him. You see, even if somebody says something or does something or hurts you, like happened with Malchus and like happened with, with uh, John Mark, somebody in the church, some leader in the church might have done something painful. Can you wait around long enough for Jesus to heal you? Can you, can you stay and say, yes, somebody hurt me, but that wasn't Jesus, and Jesus wants to heal me? Well, next slide. When I was a sophomore in Bible school, there was a missionary spoke in a church in Aberdeen on a Wednesday night. I went to the service, and, and there the missionary said, I've, I've been a missionary for 40 years. He, he talked about the wonderful ministry he had, how thousands, tens of thousands of people in Latin America and Central America came to Jesus because of him, because of his ministry. And he said, I've been a missionary for 40 years, but I never was called into missions. I volunteered. And then he took off his shoes and left him there, and he said, I wonder if anybody tonight will come down and put on my shoes, so to speak, and you would volunteer to be a missionary. And that night I went down, and I said, God, if you'll take me, I will be a missionary. And I felt like God saying yes, and so I volunteered to be a missionary. You know Janelle's story. Next slide. Janelle was only three years old. A missionary came to her church, gave her a prayer card, shared with her, and she told her mom that night, when I grow up, I'm going to be a missionary. And she, from that day until this, that was her goal in life. We said, next slide, we will go wherever you want us to go. Wherever we are needed, we will go. That song, I'll go where you want me to go, or mountain, or plain, or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. We applied for missions, and we began to say to the Assemblies of God, we want to go, and we want to be missionaries It doesn't matter where you send us, we'll go. And we applied, but we were turned down for 16 years. They said, no, you can't go. No, you can't go for 16 years. And so God led us to pastor churches here in North Dakota and Alaska in that time. It's it's another story that would take me another hour to share, and I'm not going to share that now. But, But God helped us. We said, God, we'll continue to do what you want us to do until you open the door for us to go to missions. And, and finally, we were able to go to Kenya in 2001. God opened that door. When we got to Kenya, we heard uh, my sister-in-law, Judy, that I, I shared earlier, the picture of her. She was in a church probably within 300 miles of your church here in Crete. And she was in that church, and a man stood up, and he said, I've just heard of another couple being approved to go to Africa, to Kenya. And he said, if I hear of one more missionary going to Kenya, I'm going to puke. (laughs) This was a respected missionary. This was an up-and-coming missionary. Today, he is one of the great missionary leaders in our movement, in our church. But at that moment, he said, if I hear of another missionary going to Kenya, I'm going to puke. And I heard that, and I thought, God, we have wanted to be in missions for all of these years. We have, we have been trying, we have been obedient, we have been listening to you, we have been obeying, we've been pastoring, we've been doing everything we can. We've raised our money. Finally, we got to Kenya, 
And this missionary leader is saying, you are not where God wants you to be. I'm going to puke because you went to the wrong place. You shouldn't go there. You should go where I think you should go. But you see, we had a choice. We could say, I'm mad at the church. I'm mad at our leaders. They kept us for 16 years from doing what God wanted us to do. Now this this missionary leader is saying, you went to the wrong place. It makes me sick. Or we could say, God, we're just going to be faithful to you here. We're going to do what you called us to do. We believe you brought us to this place, to Kenya, and we're going to serve you here. Well, God brought us to East Africa School of Theology. The first eight years, I was a teacher and an academic dean there. And then the last eight years, they asked me to lead the school. The school grew from 322 to 1,764 students in that eight years. God brought more students for us to train for pastoral and missionary work. God allowed us to take student missions trips. We traveled all over the country. We planted 22 churches all over the country. God helped us to to take students and show them, not just teach them in a classroom, but show them on the mission field what it's like to do work. I had so many students after we'd go out on a missions trip and they would come up to me and say, Jeff, we saw you in the Bible school. You taught our classes. You were speaking in chapel. We saw you for four years, but we've learned more about you and mission work in 10 days on the mission field than in four years in Bible school. I believe that God wants us to do discipleship with people in life. It's not just about a class in a church. Those things are great, but God, you know, Jesus walked with the people. He walked with his disciples. He did life with them. He ate with them. He fished with them. He did all of the things with them, and then they caught the ministry. God wants that for us. You know, when we got to Kenya, we started hearing about 25 unreached people groups in Kenya. And I began to say, God, I want our students to catch the burden for the unreached people groups. And so we took up banners. We put banners up all over the chapel of the 25 unreached tribes of Kenya. And we encouraged people to pray. One of the banners, go back one. One of the banners said, you know, the Southeast, the, the South, Southern, South Asia are one of the unreached people groups in Kenya. And Arnold came up to me one day and he said, Vice Chancellor Jeff, I've been praying and I think God wants me to start a student ministry group to the South Asians in Kenya. I said, wonderful. How how did you come to this desire? He said, well, every day I'd come into the chapel and I'd see this banner. And he goes, I, I, that's the only one that jumped out at me. That's the one God impressed on my heart. But I believe God wants me to raise up a student ministry group and minister to the Asians because I've been praying for them uh, when you put up the banner. We also named our buildings on the Bible School campus after the unreached people groups of Kenya. Go to the next slide. And uh, one of the buildings we named the Gabra. And, and Alfred came up to me one day and he said, I have to do an internship before I graduate and I want to do it among the Gabra, an unreached people group here in central Kenya. I said, wonderful. How did you get that burden? He said, every time I'd come on campus, that name you put on the building, the Gabra, it just grabbed me. I didn't even know who they were when I first saw it, but I've studied it, I've prayed for them and now I want to go to the Gabra 
in my internship and reach them. At a general council, I was on the Kenya Assemblies of God Missions, National Missions Committee, and we decided we're going to print brochures and we're going to give them out to every member at the general council. And so we gave them to all the pastors, to thousands that were there. And this brochure, and, 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 uh, and it had on Monday, pray for these five unreached people groups, Tuesday, these five, Wednesday, these five, Thursday, Friday, and 25 people groups were prayed for through that week. A year later, Stephen and Mary and Jehia came to us to interview to become missionaries with the Kenya Sons of God. And I asked them, how did you have the burden? How did you have the desire to go to an unreached people group? They wanted to go to the Somalis. I said, how did you get this desire? And they said, last year you gave us this brochure. They took it out of the Bible, and they showed us. It was, it was all worn out. It had tear stains. And they said, every day we've been praying for the unreached people groups. And God brought the Somalis to us, and now we want to go and give our lives to reach the Somalis. And we approved them for missions, and they've been serving among the Somalis ever since then. God used a little piece of paper to raise them up. God allowed me to start a school of missions on the campus. And we, we started this school of missions, and we trained missionaries, and we'd send them out. Kenyans who were going to reach unreached people groups across Kenya. And God opened the door for us to do that. Even when I was back in America, I would travel to different places, and I spoke in the Trinity Bible College uh, chapel. And there, go ahead to that slide. And while I spoke in that chapel, I found out later one young man named Luke Storer. He came forward in the chapel and said, God, Jeff said he volunteered for missions. If you'll take me, I volunteer for missions. And that day, Luke Storer said, that's when I felt called to missions. And today, as you know, he's a missionary in serving Africa, and we got to work together to write, write this book. I got an email from uh, the missionary in residence at Trinity Bible College. He said, I have a young lady that wants to come over and work with children in Africa. Go to the next slide. Do you have an opportunity for her? And I said, I have two opportunities. Let her pick. One, she can work in a big city church in Nairobi, 10,000 members, all kind, thousands of children. She could come. It's English speaking. She'll have all of the comforts of home, and she could work among those children. But the second opportunity, we just planted a church in an unreached people group. We have 150 children coming to that church, but nobody to work with them. If she's willing to go live among an unreached people group where they have no toilets in that town, no cell phone coverage, no internet, if she's willing to go there, we have 150 children who've never heard about Jesus until this church was planted, and she can go there. Well, Melissa Glanzer wrote back and said, I want to go to the unreached people group. So we took her and a Bible school student that I knew that had a ministry to children. The two of them went up there, and she spent two or three months among the Rendele. And today, she is a full appointed missionary with the Assemblies of God working with Muslims all over Africa. God is using her in a tremendous way. I was at Evangel University and there I was missionary in residence and, and uh, I had a group of students that would come to my classes but I'd have mentorship with them in the cafeteria each week and, and this couple on the far right, they weren't married then but they're married now and, uh, and, and I said at the end of one of my classes, what is your goal? What, what would you like to see yourself doing in the next 10 years? And Derek said, Jeff, you've talked about reaching an unreached people group in your 16 years in Kenya. He said, 10, 10 years from now, I want to be working on my second 
unreached people group. I want to see the first one reached and going to the second within 10 years. God, God was using what little we had. We didn't say that man told us that we went to the wrong place and, and it's going to make him puke. I don't care what, God sa- what he said. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And people's lives are being changed. I teach these master's classes that I mentioned and I, and I, and I shared one in Ethiopia. And there this man came up and, and his evaluation at the end of the class, he says, I can assure you one thing, that you made one missionary named Bim- Bimlik in this course. I taught a course in a master's program, and this guy was called into missions. We came to Springfield, and we're attending a church there in Springfield. And the pastor, go to the next slide. Every week, they'd have these three prayer needs, co-laborers, and they'd talk about a church in the neighborhood and, and, and a missionary and then another church. And then I wrote to him one time an email, and I said, Pastor, you pray for these things every Sunday. I really like it. Could you add to that list praying for the unreached people groups around the world? And so for the last number of years, we've been praying for unreached people groups around the world. Every Sunday, hundreds of people in that church are lifting up an unreached people group saying, God, would you please send someone to them? Well, after a few years went by, I met with this missionary that had said, if I hear of another missionary going to Kenya, I'm going to puke. And he said to me this, Jeff, I apologize. You are exactly where God wants you to be. But you know, I'm glad he said that. And I'm glad that we're, we've been friends. God is using us. We work together. But even if he never said that, you see, what I do is not dependent on what other people say. God, am I doing what you're calling me to do? Are you doing what you want me to do? I want to share one more story. It's rather a large story. But... Uh, unreached people group becomes reached. And it's the story of the Randele. We were going to go out and plant a church among the Maasai in a particular district of Kenya. And uh, we had, by this time, planted a number of churches across Kenya. We, we had a team ready to go. We had, we had money to build a tabernacle. We had things were all working out. But it was like we wanted to go to North Laikipia, but the Holy Spirit kept closing the door. You know, Paul wrote one time, I tried to go to Bithynia and the Lord stopped me. The Holy Spirit stopped me. I tried to go to um, Asia and the Lord stopped me. And, and then he had the vision of Macedonia come over. And, and so I went to our district superintendent, Bishop Moses, and I said to, to him, you know, we're trying to go plant this church in your district. You've, you've opened the door, but, but it seems like the Holy Spirit has closed the door for us. Is there any place else we can go? And he said, let me tell you the story of Grandma Sarah. And so, next slide. So he began to tell me the story of this lady, Grandma Sarah, who was in his church in Meru, Kenya. She was a widow. She was homeless. She lived on the streets of Meru, and she would pick leaves off the tree and boil them in a pot so that she and her children and grandchildren would have something to eat. But she attended his church, and one time they had a missions convention at their church and they talked about unreached people groups in Kenya. I don't know if she'd ever heard about this before, but, but this homeless lady sitting in that church heard about unreached people groups and she came down to the altar and she prayed that day and she said, God, I'm willing to go. Do you want me to go to an unreached people group? And she felt laid on her heart the Randile people of Kenya, north central Kenya. She said, 
She went to her pastor after that service, and she said, Bishop Moses, I feel like God is calling me to be a missionary. Can I be a missionary with the Kenya Assemblies of God and go to the Randile? And Bishop Moses looked at her, and he was a, he's a wonderful man. He looked at her with compassion. And he said, I'm sorry, Grandma Sarah, but you're not qualified to be a missionary with the Kenya Assemblies of God. And he and I sat on the National Missions Committee together. He said, to be a missionary with the Kenya Assemblies of God, you have to go to Bible school. You have to get your credentials. You have to pastor a church. You have to have, you know, established your family. He said, I'm sorry, you're not qualified. And so she went home. And she's like, God, why did you call me to missions if I can't go? I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified. But the burden stayed there month after month. She kept praying for the Rendele. She kept praying for God to send her to the Rendele. One day, a number of months had gone by, and, and somebody handed her 6,000 shillings. That's equivalent to about $50. And so she took that money, and she went running to her pastor. Bishop Moses, Bishop Moses, I know I'm not qualified to be a missionary, but I have my own money now. I have enough money for a one-way trip to the Randilli. Would you allow me to go? Just, just let me go on my own. I, I know I'm not a missionary, but just let me go. And Bishop Moses said, wow, that's wonderful. Why don't you come to church on Sunday morning? We will lay hands on you, we'll pray for you, we'll bless you, and we'll send you off to be a missionary. So that Sunday morning she came, they prayed for her. The next morning, Monday, she got on a cattle truck that looked like this. She sat on the top of that, and she rode for two days' journey to the Randile. Grandmas, would you like to sit on that bar on top of that truck with camels and goats and and cows beneath you, but she did that because she had a desire to reach the Randele. She got off the truck, and she had used up all of her money. She didn't know the language. She had nowhere to stay, nothing to eat, but she knew God had called her the Randele. So she got off the truck, and, and a lady in that town who had a house, a white house, said, you can come and stay with me, I'll feed you, and, and you can eat and stay under my roof. Some of the school children could speak Swahili so she could talk to them, but none of the adults, most of the adults couldn't understand. She had only been there a few days when um, one morning she heard a big commotion outside. So many people were talking, yelling. So she went out and she asked the school children, what's happening? And they said, the elders, they're going to kill the witch. You see, there's a witch in town who had cast a spell on one lady and she had died. She cast a spell on a second lady and that lady was in her hut with her. She was dying on the bed. And the elders said, we're going to go kill the witch because we don't want her harming anyone else in our community. So they were on their way and Grandma Sarah, she went running up to them and to the elders and said, please stop, Could, could you let me go talk to them before you kill her? No, we don't want you getting harmed. You're not from our village. You're a foreign, foreign woman. She's no, please let me go. So she finally convinced them. They went to the hut. They unlocked the door. They let Grandma Sarah in. She went over to the lady who was dying on the bed. And she laid hands on her and prayed for her. But you know, she was not qualified. No, she prayed for her and that lady rose up out of her deathbed. She was healed. God touched her and she was healed. Hallelujah. Then she went over to the witch and she started sharing with her. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be set free from this power? And she said, yes. And so she gave her life to the Lord. She prayed and cast out demons from her and she was made whole. 
And Grandma Sarah shouted to the elders outside, you can unlock the door and let us out now. We're all well. They weren't sure at first, but she finally convinced them. They opened the doors, let them out, and first came out the woman who was dying, and she was healed. Next came out the woman who was the demon-possessed witch, and she she was whole. And then came out Grandma Sarah, and they said to her, Grandma Sarah, We've never seen power like this before. Can you come and teach us? Come sit under our elder's tree. We've never had a woman sit under this tree before for generations, but, but, but we need to hear from you what power you have. And so every week she got to come and sit under that elder's tree and teach them about her God. And Bishop Moses is telling me this story, and he said, I think we should go and help Grandma Sarah plant a church. I said, let's do it. And so, so we're getting ready to go. And about a month before we were to go, I got a call from my daughter, Joelle. She was at Evangel University at that time in a nursing program. And she had raised up a missions team to go to Ukraine to serve there in medical missions. But she called me and said, Daddy, the missions tri- tri- trip has to be called off. We don't have, we, the, the door is closed for Ukraine right now. I said, well, why don't you bring your team and come to Kenya? Instead, so they diverted and came to Kenya. And with this team, we were able to go in to share uh, the first week with this unreached people group, with the Randile. Anytime I go into a new tribe, I want to find out what their oral history is. Tell me your story. And so, so I sat with the elders, and, and I asked them, tell me the story of the Randile. And these guys looked at me, and they said, we are Jewish. I looked at them and I thought, you don't look Jewish to me. But I didn't laugh because I knew from my cultural classes, if you laugh, they're not going to tell you anything more. So I said, tell me more. And the Jewish, I mean, the, uh, the Randilli elders, they said, every year we sacrifice a perfect lamb for our firstborn son as a substitution. We, we slaughter that lamb and we put the blood on the, on the top and the sides of the doorposts as a substitution for our son. The priests have to get blood on their right thumb, their right ear, and their right big toe. And they were telling me details about the Passover that I had to go back and check, you know, what does it say about that? And here they were, and they didn't even have a written language. They were passing down this information about the Passover and their Jewish heritage for for generation after generation. And then they shared with me something else. They said, many years ago, and as I read African history, it's probably about 1,200 years ago. They said the Muslims were coming across East Africa, Northern Africa. Go to the next slide. And they came to our tribe, and they said, you are going to follow a new God, Allah. And, and uh, they gave copies of the Quran to our people. And then they said, in order to pray to Allah, you have to kneel down and you put your... You put your head on, on, the, on the dirt like this, and this is how you pray to God. And our forefathers said, no, the God we worship is up in the sky. We look to him. We, we, we stand like this when we pray, and they rejected Islam. They, the, these men, they pointed to a mountain. Go to the next slide. They pointed to this mountain off in the distance, and that's Mount Mo'ile, and they said, all of our forefathers, they gathered the Quran that had been given to our tribe. They took them to that mountain, and they burned them there. And from that day until now, we have not followed Islam. Well, as you look at a map of Africa today, go to this next slide, you see where the yellow lightning bolt is. That's where the Randile is. And for, for 1,200 years, God used the Randile to stop the advance of Islam, South 
and west of that tribe. They did not penetrate any farther than that tribe for 1,200 years and to this day. God had a plan for the Rendille. Well, my daughter and her team, they came and they did this medical missions trip, and it was transformational. Go to that slide. And uh, great for the girls, great for the people. And before the, the people that came for medical needs could leave, they had what we, we call a counseling area. So they, the last room they went to was with Grandma Sarah, and she would meet with them there, go to the next slide, and she would, she would pray with them, and many of the Randille received Jesus during that week that we were there. Well, I took the young ladies back, and they flew back to Evangel, and, and uh, then I took a team of Bible school students that were ready to go that next week, and we went up to the Randille, and we would go hut to hut sharing Jesus Christ, and with a Bible school student, I went into this group of huts, and there we shared Jesus, and a lady there, she said, I want to follow Jesus. She was, she was one of our first believers there in that area. You see, when we learned that they were Jewish we began, I told the Bible school students, we need to preach about what John the Baptist said. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know about the Lamb in the Old Testament, but Jesus, God's Son, came, and he became the Lamb of God. And it was a time to share, and we began to preach this. Well, in the first two weeks we were there, we saw uh, this church planted and we saw 573 people come to Jesus. Go to the next slide. 573 Randille received Jesus in the first two weeks in an unreached people group. God was doing something. I went back to the Bible college, and I said to the students there, God is raising up an unreached people group that loves him. This is like the white harvest God talked, Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 9. The fields are white under harvest. Send forth labors. I said, we need to go back to the Randille. We need to go back to them over and over again to share because the white harvest is now. We can't wait. And so over the next two and a half years, we return to the Randille many times. Go to the next slide. This group of, group of arrows right up here is where we went and preached many times to the Randille. And, and during that time, God allowed us to plant four churches. One of my Bible school students planted two additional churches. We saw... Just in our mission trips alone, we saw 4,741 Randille come to Jesus. In one 10-day period, over 3,000 came to Christ. God was doing an amazing thing. I wanted our Bible school students to engage with us and say, you have been giving, you have been sending missionaries, some of you have been going. We want you to celebrate the Randille. And so I sent our Speed the Light bus to the end of the road. And I asked our missionaries and our pastors there, would you put 50 of our Randille people on the bus and send them down? On this day for chapel, we want to have a celebration. Those new Christians with our students have been praying for them and giving so that they could be there. And so, so we had this celebration. And these Randilles, they, they came, they sang, they danced, they shared testimonies. And we had a call from Joshua Project, an organization that tracks unreached people groups around the world. And we had a, a call with them. And the man from Joshua Project said, in this chapel, on the Skype call, on the big screen, he said, we've received the survey from Jeff of all the Christians now who are in churches in the Randille. Look at this next slide. And he said, as of yesterday, we have declared that the Randille are now a reached 
people group. They're no longer an unreached group. We had seen God do what we had been praying for for all of these years. We had their banners on the chapel walls. We had named our buildings after unreached people group. And now one of the unreached people groups that we had been praying for, that we had been going to, that we had been ministering to, had become a reached group. Hallelujah. One of the ladies that came that day, go to the next slide. Here, this lady on the far right, she got up and testified, and she said, Missionary Jeff and a student came into my hut, and there they told me about a Jesus, and I asked Jesus to be my Lord that day. And she said, now I am the leader of all of the women's groups of these churches across Rendele. And that was the lady that I went to that first day, that first believer that I had won to the Lord. You know, when Janelle and I said, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be whatever you want me to be. There were many times along the road where we could have said, oh, this person said something against us. This leader in the church said something. You know, this missionary said, if I hear of another missionary going to Kenya, I'm going to puke. We could have listened to all of those things and we could have said, I am angry at the church. I'm angry at God. If that's the way people treat me, I'm going to quit. But we said, I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. And God has allowed us the greatest privilege on earth to be able to share with people that have never heard about Jesus before. And today, the whole tribe is reaching their people. And, and when we took our next missionary trip to the Dasanesh and other energy people group in Kenya, there were people from the Randele that went with us to reach their neighbors. And friends, I don't know about you today. I'm sure some of you could share your stories and you could say, this is my hurt, this is what happened to me. But I want to encourage you today. It's not about what anybody says. Peter was the man that Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock. You know, you're going to lead the church. And yet Malchus could say, yeah, but he hurt me. He cut off my ear. But Malchus didn't stop with Peter. He went to Jesus. And Jesus touched and healed him. John Mark didn't stop with Paul calling him a deserter. John Mark said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And we remember him today as the one who wrote the gospel of Mark, who was profitable to Paul and a son of Peter. And I want to encourage you today. Your story may not be like mine. Maybe God didn't want you to go to Kenya or to serve in Africa, but God has you here because there's somebody, your neighbor, your coworker, your person at school, your friend, your relative that needs to know about Jesus. Are you going to let the hurt or the healing direct your life? Father, thank you for this morning and for this time to share together. We thank you for this church and for their heart for missions, for their giving and for their heart for the lost in this community. Use them, O oh God, to accomplish your purpose. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. I'm going to have Denise, if you'd come.
closing song. Amen? Um, great challenge, Jeff. Um, I've shared before that uh, I went, my mom kind of insisted I went to Bible college one year, and I did. Actually helped out when Jeff was a youth pastor and helped out there. That was part of my, um, just my call as well. Um, and just hearing God's voice. Otherwise, everybody expected me to go into construction because that's what my dad did. I wanted to go into wildlife biology. So, and, uh, um, but I had the opportunity for God to speak into my heart. And, uh, so God can speak when you're five, years old high school and even an adult God can speak amen and um, so would you stand this morning would you stand and uh, I'm just going to close with this song if you still wanted to give uh, God spoke to your heart and you wanted to give towards what uh, Jeff and Janelle um, you can give online or you can uh, you can get that to uh, uh, myself or Gary or Dan We'll make sure that gets added in. So, so Denise, uh, Amen. I'm gonna have a closing prayer, but a couple things just are on my heart. One is, Jeffy mentioned about the hurt, and um, there's times you could have been hurt, turned your back on God, turned your back on ministry, and you kept going. And Amy and I have had times of hurt, even when it's a little more recent. And, um, and how are you going to deal with that? You have to release that to God and still stay the course, amen? And, and to trust Him. And if that speaks to you today, Jeff will be hanging around at the booth there. Feel free to, to talk with him. So that's one, one prayer request. Is everybody called to missions? I believe everybody is called to missions. Now, we may not be called to go to Africa or wherever else, but we're all called to share our faith, right? to share our faith with the world around us. Um, and we try to hit that pretty hard. But um, but if everybody went to Africa, there'd be nobody to reach people here, right? Right? Georgia and her husband were in Brazil for many years, sharing Christ. But you know what? She keeps that same mission's heart here and uh, picking up people, bringing them to church on Sunday mornings, helping out on Wednesday nights keeping that mission's heart. Jeff and Janelle couldn't go and do what God has called them to do unless people were willing to pray and to send them, right? And so the key is hearing God's voice. Hearing God's voice and following that. Amen? Father, this morning we just come before you as we leave today. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, We thank you for your call. And we thank you that you are uh, leading and directing people. And so, Lord God, I just pray for everyone here today. God, give us a sensitive heart to follow your will, whether it is to be a, a missionary here, right where we're at, or, or to, to sh- go to another country that is without Christ, uh, a people that need to hear, Lord. Uh, Lord God, you're, you're still calling people. And um, Lord God, I pray that you give us ears to hear, just a sensitive spirit towards that. And Lord God, I pray for those that maybe came to church and there's hurt. Maybe it's recent, maybe it's in the past, but it still it still hurts. Um, somebody that was important to them or maybe it was it hurt them. And God, you're able to heal that. 
you heal that. And so, Lord God, give us, extend your grace and your mercy. Heal our heart. God, equip us to do what you've called us to do. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask this all in your name. And everybody said, Amen.